But we're going through the summer in the scriptures and, uh, and we're doing a reading plan. Did you pick up one of these? This, this fancy dancy yellow sheet. It's, a, it's super great. Here's the deal. We're going through just a few verses at a time. We're going through the whole book of Colossians. We're digging down. So like every day is just like grab a verse, kind of read it in context maybe and just see what God has for us in that. We are halfway through. We're halfway through. So like up here, you can start up here. So this, if you missed all this and you're like, I should read Colossians with everybody. I want to do that. I want to read Colossians. You can start today. Isn't that good news? You should see the guilty looks on some of your faces. <laughs> this is the past. Let it go. Jump in. We start chapter three tomorrow morning, chapter three, verses one through four, and just get it on the reading plan with us. That'd be awesome. Who's doing it? Who's like, yep, haven't been doing it, but I'm starting. I'm going the second half. I'm starting right now. Who's doing it? Who's with me? I got a prize for you that's going to do it. You're going to do it? Okay. All right. You, you're on it. Starting now. I'll check in what time you want me to call you to see if you did it tomorrow. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Hope you pick up one of these out at the, there's a, in the table in the back or in the lobby. We're going to turn the lights on in a minute again, because uh, I, just for the sermons that I'm preaching in this series, I feel like I want us to sort of study the scriptures together, let you have it on your lap and uh, look at it together and sort of engage in Bible study. Like if you were in a small group with me and we were in a little circle. So ready? Here come the, here come the lessons. Ready? Three, two, one. Oh, oh, oh. I know. I know. So grab a Bible. If you would grab a Bible, if you brought your own, that's awesome. There are Bibles in the chairs uh, behind you, or in front of you, sorry. If you're in the front row, then somebody's going to help you get one. And turn to our passage in Colossians 2. It's on page 1089. And so, um, or you can look in the table of contents. 1089 Colossians. Everybody got a Bible? Want everybody to get one? And if you're like, oh, I got it on my phone. Well, good. While you're there, give some money to Megan. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Um, or to Marin Covenant, or both. Go both. Do it twice. Um, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and following. Oh, I should have turned to it. Sorry. Okay, I'm ready. Um, we're going to read the text together, and uh, so we're going to start in, on, uh, in verse 16. Big 2, little 16. That's what Ben Kern says when he talks to students. Big 2, little 16. Chapter 2, verse 16. Did you know that those weren't always in there? When Paul wrote it, he didn't write a little 16 next to the verse. You know that? That those got added later? Do you know when? Do you know when that happened? When? You should Google that. That's an awesome thing. That's a cool story. You should learn that. It's really fun because they weren't always there. There have been some version of chapters and verses for a long time, di different versions. But the ones that we use right now, that happened. Ready? Take a guess. 1500s. That's late. Isn't that late? It's interesting. So anyway, but now we can find it. Now I can tell you how to find it, and that works out good for us. 2.16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you. By the way, we're not putting it on the screen up here during this sermon series so that you'll have to look in your Bibles. Isn't that fun? So great. And then I get to be out here and make eye contact with you, and some of you are already so uncomfortable. It's the worst. <laughs> okay, here we go. God's Word. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen and they're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. I'm going to read the next paragraph, but just parentheses. Do you often find when you read the Bible, you just get that part and you're like, what? Like, I did not understand any of that. 
Like the first glance, that's so hard. You're like, I don't, I don't know what we just did. Am I the only one who does not know what we just did? I know, it's hard. We're gonna go back in. Verse 20, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you belong to this world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, they're based on human humanly commands. What does it say? They're based on, oh, merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This passage is difficult to read because he is continuing to talk about some crazy teachings that people have brought into the church that mess up their religion and keep them away from Jesus. This is the title of my sermon, Religion Can Mess Up Your Relationship with Jesus. Religion can mess up your relationship with Jesus. And they brought some teaching into the Colossian church, the church of Colossae, that, that, that goofed them up. Now, let me define religion for you in this context that we're using. This is how I said it. I said, religion is judging our standing with God based on our observance or our activities or our experiences and not on Christ. Judging our standing with God on some form of religion, but not judging our standing with God on Jesus Christ. If you look at the very first verse of our passage today, what is the word? The first, first, first word. Therefore. Have you heard this? When you see therefore in the scriptures, you want to ask the question, what's the therefore? Therefore. Is that new to you? That's a good one, right? And then you go, what's it there for? Therefore what? Well, go back to the passage that we studied last week. Therefore, he made this, this point that Christ is all sufficient. What Jesus did on the cross was done to give us a new nature, forgive us our sins, unite us with God. The work is finished. We're new creatures in Christ. It's great news. So he goes, so now rooted, established in him, keep going. You're changed. Jesus has done it all. So therefore, it says, don't let anyone mess you up. And he's going to go and talk about, Paul's going to go and talk about three Colossian heresies. This isn't, the church itself didn't all buy this, but, um, but they wanted, the, uh, the false teachers were preaching this and wanted people to believe it. You know what the word heresy means? It's a teaching that's contrary to an orthodox accepted belief. And these guys came in and they were teaching stuff other than what the Old Testament had taught, other than what Jesus had taught, other than what the apostles had taught. And so it's heretical, it's incorrect, it's antithetical to what the standard understanding of the, the, the good news is. And so these are the heresies. So he's in the middle of talking about three of these things. And each one of them is rooted in how religion has messed up their relationship with God. And the reason I know this, and here's a little hint, here's the crux of the passage. It's in verse 19. Take 20 seconds and look at verse 19 on your own. Bless you. That's looking at verse 19 music. I like that. Did you hear that? Well done. Well done, people in the back. 
All right, verse 19. Why is that the crux of the passage? You can look at that passage. It's talking about Jesus. It doesn't mention his name. It calls him the head, the head of the body. It calls him the head. But if you were to twist that passage, or not twist it, that's, that sounds negative. But if you were to be able to turn that passage around and make it a positive sort of, sort of um, uh, word of encouragement to you to do something, what would it be encouraging you to do? Somebody, help me. Stay connected to the head. These people that had come in here and brought all of this heresy had been teaching basically some version of do these other religious things and they lost connection to the head so those things had no value. That's that passage that we read. And so the heresy is do this other stuff, judge your standing with God based on your observances or your activities or your experiences, but then they could lose connection with the head, but they had these other kinds of things that they were doing and that was their religion. And he's like, no, you're missing it. So our word today, whether you hit anything else, whether you hear anything else, whether you're uh, texting to give right now to our church, whatever else you got going on, stay connected to the head is the point of this. And he's in the middle of talking about three different teachings that are contrary to that. Three teachings that mess up our relationship of connection to Jesus. And the first one was, I won't talk about it because we preached on it last week in verse eight. And it's this. It's that, that they were exalting human wisdom over connection to Jesus. Go back and look at verse 8. A little bit to the left there on your page. See to it that no one takes you captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy. It depends on human tradition, the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. Don't let anybody take you captive by false teachings that come from the world. The world's wisdom. The world's got some wisdom, but friends, we're talking about stay connected to Jesus. Don't let anybody get you in bondage by just believing hollow philosophy. There's depth and truth. And what did we say about Jesus and the truth last time? Jesus said, if you obey my teaching, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So don't let anybody take you captive, it says. So that's the first heresy that he talks about. They've exalted human wisdom over connection to Jesus. Religion will mess up your relationship with Jesus. The second one is in our text here, and that's in verse 16. Look at what he says in verse 16. Look again at the beginning of our text. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Here's what the, the heresy is. They're exalting religious activity over connection to Jesus. Do you see it? Don't let anybody judge you about this ceremonial eating and drinking and these religious festivals. It sounds a little like some Old Testament stuff, doesn't it? To those of you that have read the Bible before, you're like, okay, I know, I know there's some of those things in there. There's dietary laws. There's all kinds of rules. The, the rabbis said there were 618 rules they had to follow to keep their righteousness. There's all kinds of stuff in that. And these guys probably were teaching in addition to Jewish uh, dietary laws and, and activities. They were probably teaching some sort of a synchronistic, some sort of pagan, pagan meaning there, were no, there was no Christian or Jewish background to some of their teaching. There was other stuff that they were like, hey, here's how our world shows itself to be holy or shows itself to be religious. So they had all of these rules, all of these activities, all of this stuff that they could do, and they were teaching the Colossian church, you should do it like this. So drink this, don't drink that. Eat this, don't eat that. Uh, observe these, uh, act, these um, religious festivals. Make sure that you got it on the calendar and you do all the right stuff. It's what? Legalism. It's legalism. And they were exalting that activity over connection to Jesus. Anytime we exalt activity, religious activity over connection to Jesus, it's, that's what legalism is. 
we're basically judging our, our standing with God by what we do, right? By what we do or what we don't do and how we measure up and we're judging each other about it. Now, you people are all like, we're not legalistic. We're not legalistic at all. We have no legalism. But I'm asking you to stop for a minute and think carefully about the way in which you judge your standing with God. And legalism creeps in. Because we end up saying to ourselves, well, I'm doing pretty well. I've not done blank for 21 days straight. Now remember, Jesus is our sufficiency. And we don't please God because we've not done blank for 21 days or because we've done blank for seven years in a row or because we're in church 52 Sundays a year. We don't please God because of that. We please God because Jesus Christ has provided a relationship with God. But whenever we start to feel like our standing with God is um, based on a religious activity, we're legalistic. And every one of us has that in there somewhere. And Paul's trying to free us from that, going, listen, do not. What does it say? What does he say? What's the, um, what's the, uh, what does he say is going to happen? Do not let anyone judge you. Don't judge yourself either by what you eat or drink. It's Christ's sufficiency. Is there legalism in your life? Are you tempted to think, I'm doing good because I have read my Bible every day this week, as opposed to, I'm doing good because the mercy of God covers everything. I'm doing good because my Savior, Jesus, His Spirit fills me. You see where I'm going with this? One of the worst legalism uh, stories I've ever heard, I, I can't believe this is true, this is true. There was, a, there was a family that had been in this church in Southern California for 40 or 50 years, something like that. And uh, they had been pillars in, in this church. And the church, of course, was changing because the things were becoming a little different. Some of their forms, their activities were a little bit different, different music, different ways of doing things. This pastor wasn't wearing a tie any longer, you know, those kinds of things. Younger people were coming. Younger people, they're pain in the tail. And the legalism was they had a place where they sat every week. Now, none of you would do that. You don't sit in the same <clears throat> place every single week. <laughs> do ya? <ya. laughs> yeah. Now, that's not legalism because you're not judging your standing with God based on where you're sitting, right? But this person came down, this family came down, this couple came down and saw somebody was in their seat. Somebody new to the church. <laughs> but when they came all the way down and found somebody in their seat, it was the last straw for them because the way that they were supposed to do church wasn't being done that way anymore. And they turned around and they walked out and they never came back. Pastor told me this story. 40 years in this church, they never came back. There was something wrong with basing their standing with God, their experience with God, their religiosity was rooted in activity. It was rooted in the way they liked it. It was rooted in what they did and what they did not do. And we don't have that kind of crazy stuff, but we have all kinds of ways in which we judge ourselves for whether we're doing good with God or not doing good with God. This, we joke around, may I take this roof for a sec? We joke around all the time about this thing. 
How many times over the last three summers, if you've been here this summer in the scriptures that we've done, have you heard us say, jump on board, start now if you haven't done it? Who wanted to do it and hasn't done it even one day? Like we celebrate that kind of stuff around here. We've literally had people being like, I wanted to do it, haven't done it one day. We're like, not one day. They're like, not one day. We laugh. We give them a Pete's coffee card. We're like, get on the horse. Let's do it. <laughs> so fun. But we tend to internally take evidence like that. The thoughts that we think, the actions that we do, the brokenness that we let slip out, and we think that it affects our standing with God. And we become more religious, but lose our connection to the head. Legalism. Where is it that it impacts your life? And you need to resist it and don't judge yourself and let anybody else judge you with regard to you're standing with God, for Christ has been all-sufficient. Legalism will mess up your relationship with Jesus. It is heretical if you feel like your standing with God is based on your activities or your lack thereof. Second, third, well, it's the third heresy, the second in our passage. It's not only were they exalting religious activity over connection to Jesus, they exalted religious experience over connection to Jesus. This is a weird couple of verses here. Verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in the worship, uh, in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection to the head. This is one of those places where we're actually not really sure what these people were teaching. What is the false humility and the worship of angels? We don't really know. It could be that they actually worshiped angels, like they worshiped lower beings, and that was the false humility, like, well, I'm not good enough to worship God. I'll worship his servants, the angels. Or actually, it's probably, most people think that it probably means that they had some ecstatic experiences where they had some visions and their worship was a heavenly, a picture of the heavenlies, uh, and they were having some sort of a... Uh, ecstasy kind of, not ecstasy, like the rave. You smiled at me and like knowing, you know about ecstasy, bro? No, just kidding. Uh, they had some ecstatic experience by which they were like, look at how I've experienced God. And the reason we know that is because that second verse that says they were, they were puffed up. They talked all about what they've seen. They've seen and experienced stuff. They were exalting their experience with God over an actual connection to Jesus. Now, how does that come into play for us? Some of us feel God. We're feelers. We have feeling experiences. We come and we feel the presence of God. We feel close to God. We feel not close to God. But our feelings become the standard by which we judge whether, how we're doing with God. But that's religion that will mess up your relationship to Jesus. Some of us who feel God a lot feel superior about that. I must be doing good with God because I feel close to him. In fact, I'll go further. There are some of us that love to feel the warm fuzzies of corporate singing, of the truth of God's word, of whatever. We love to feel so much that we can actually have all kinds of our lives way out of parallel with God's will, but we feel like we're okay because we feel God. That's totally wrong. So in other words, we come looking for a feeling, we come looking for some sort of an affective experience, but we don't have any connection to Jesus. So there's no lordship of Jesus in our life, but we're feeling pretty good about it. So some people are actually in clear disobedience to teachings of Jesus, 
but they feel okay about it, so they think they're close to God. That can't be the case. It will mess up your relationship with Jesus if you just go by feelings. So some of us are feelers, and we feel kind of superior about that. I feel it, so I must be really close to Jesus. What does that say about the person sitting next to you who isn't quite so much a feeler? Or they're struggling with deep brokenness or deep sadness at this season of their life. Or they're just not somebody who's quite that in touch with their warm, fuzzy experience. Or they haven't, in prayer, seen some vision of the heavenlies. It says that they're not okay with God. That's not right. In fact, some of you are not feelers. And you know, the scripture says, don't let anybody disqualify you because of what they've felt, what they've experienced. Some of us are not feelers and we've disqualified ourselves from being right with God because, man, the girl next to me is all into it and I never felt that in my whole life. Must not be working for me. We've disqualified ourselves. Religion is about exalting this experience. This heresy is exalting our experience versus staying connected to Jesus. So what was the point of of verse 19 again? These are the heresies. Don't do this stuff, he says. Verse 19, the positive thing is what? Stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to the head. That's where growth happens, is connected to the head. It is heretical if we feel like our standing with God is based on whatever kind of experiences we may have, because it is based on Jesus being enough. Now, what's the common denominator in these heresies that you see up behind me on the screen? The common denominator here is revealed in verses 22 through 20, 20 through 23. And let's look at those again, and we'll, we'll camp on 23 until we're done. Since you died with Christ, you with me? Verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of the world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Why are you living this, this kind of re- religious way of doing things? Do not touch, or um, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, they're based on merely human commands and teachings. Now look at verse 23. Such regulations indeed have what? An appearance of wisdom. They have an appearance of wisdom with their false humility and their, really, their discipline, their harsh treatment of the body. But, now read it with me if you've got your text open and it's the same version as mine, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. You know what this means, friends? This means that these heresies, having activities, having experiences, having human wisdom, these activities give us a sense that we're probably right with God, but they look like we're spiritual, but they've got no value in changing our hearts. They have no value in changing our lives. They have no, there's no power in them. They're empty. They lack any value, it says. And so the common denominator is these heresies are we're tempted to look like we're doing okay with God, but lose connection to the head. Here's the point. It doesn't matter how you look because we're all broken and messed up and need God's mercy anyway. It doesn't matter how many activities you do or do not do. It doesn't matter how many experiences you have or do not have. Our sufficiency is in Christ. And if we are content to look like we're doing good with God, then that's all we're going to have is looking like we're doing good with God when in fact we have lost a relationship with Jesus. That is the epitome of the New Testament's teaching of like, why would you live that way? It, there's, it's, there's nothing there. 
And so we end up saying, staying connected to the head is what we're about. And staying connected to the head is the death of religion. Stand connected to the head is the death of religion. It's the death of us judging our standing by God, by our activities and our observance and our experiences. It's the death of that. Why? Here's why. Staying connected to the head is the death of religion, the death of looking like you're doing okay. Here's why. Take the example, for example, of coming to church as a human religious activity, showing up in this building. If you are connected to the head, then you have submitted your, relation, your, your life to Jesus and you literally say, you're my Lord, I'm going to live life according to your wisdom and your leading. And so, shall I be a part of a local church? And you'll read the scriptures and you'll find out that God's designed it to do that and you'll want to come because you value being in worship. You just have this, this, there's this sense of being under the lordship and the leading of Jesus that brings you to church for all the right reasons. But if you're not connected to the head, coming to church will lack any value in any change. There's no positive thing to it. No more than than being in a garage makes you a car. Being in a church does not make you connected to God. So all we do then is live our lives submitted to the lordship of Jesus. And any religious activity we have, that we do or do not do, whatever we eat, drink, whatever observances we have, They're under the lordship of Jesus. If you go read uh, Romans 14, you hear this passage in there. It's like some people think it's okay to eat that. Some people think it's okay to eat that. Some people think it's okay to practice their religion this way. He's like, listen, everybody's gonna have to answer to God for it. Stay connected to the head. And if you're gonna do it that way, great. You're connected to the head. If you're gonna do it that way, great. You're connected to the head. But we stay connected to the head. So that's what we do. So how? How do we stay connected to the head? This one phrase I would give you. We do anything that puts us in the place where the Holy Spirit can lead us, guide us, change us. We do whatever it takes. That's our spiritual practice. That's how we stay connected. This is our religion, friends. It's okay if we use that word because, you know, there's broad. This would be our religion. It isn't activities, experiences, and disconnection to the head. Our religion is to do whatever it takes to stay connected to the head. And we practice the presence of the lordship of Jesus in our lives. And that's, by the way, every single sermon that we've ever done. Here's a practice. Here's a practice. Here's a practice. Let's stay connected to Jesus. Let's stay connected to Jesus. Let's stay connected to Jesus. What are some of those things? What are some of those things that put you in a place where the Holy Spirit can lead you and change you? What are some of those practices? Tell me some. Prayer? You pray because of the Lordship of Jesus. You don't pray because I should pray. Did I tell you this or did I say it last hour? When I was at, when I practiced at Lent and I practiced having these extended times with God in the morning during Lent, I like I got, I got, I got rid of Matt Lauer and I was just spending time with God. There were days, I checked the box, I get them all, I got them all, 40 days of Lent, baby, I nailed every one of them. But there were days when I prayed and I read and I didn't get, I don't even know what was going on. You know what I'm saying? That's not lordship, that's religion. So prayer, because the lordship of Jesus is in it, we talk to him about our life and about his leading us. What else? What other practice puts us in a place for the Holy Spirit? What's that? Loving people, serving, getting out there, being out there on the edge, untethered as Art's prayer in the song got us. And then the Holy Spirit shows up in those moments. What, else, what other practice does that? Worship does that. 
We worship not because we're supposed to. We come because the lordship of Jesus is there and we're returning to him thanks and glory that is due him. Right? So we put on these spiritual practices, all those kinds of things. And all of them are because we've submitted ourselves to Jesus, who is our Christ. Religion, my friends, will mess you up because in the end, it lacks any value in connecting you to God and allowing him to change your life. So, if I was to get you out of here with some encouragement, it would be this. Go be reflective about how it is that you judge your standing with God. How is it that you judge your standing with God? Is there a religious component to it? When you're succeeding, you feel good about your relationship with God? When you're failing, when God actually gets to notice how messed up you are, you don't feel good about your relationship with God? Friends, that is heretical religion. But we do it all the time to ourselves. Do some reflection on how is it you judge your standing with God and allow him to bring you the freedom that Christ has covered it all. And the second encouragement I would give you is how this week will you practice your connection with the head. Not religion, not how are you going to go practice your religion, but how will you put yourself in a place, even just one thing this week, where you go, I'm going to spend some time in silence, reflecting that Jesus loves me, that Jesus died for me, and that I'm his. What does that mean for my day-to-day God? Or I'm going to read Colossians. I'm starting or whatever it might be. How can you practice putting yourself in the place where you can be connected to the head? Religion will mess you up, but Jesus will set you free. And it's what we do around here.